0: I got into real estate thinking, hey, I can be my own boss. I soon realized being an agent, clients are your boss.
1: Welcome back, Passive Investor. We've got another episode of the Passive Income Adventures with Clay Rockwood today. He is local in Salt Lake City and has basically done it all in real estate. He started about 15 years ago from being an agent to a wholesaler and now from an agent to a house flipper to a wholesaler and now really making waves in the commercial space. He has the business systems and the experience to really make this a natural pivot for him into raising capital for their own larger deals. We really talk a lot about the difference between running a business and being an investor in this episode and how you figure out where you fit into that space. If you're an entrepreneur and you want to have a business or if you have a great job and you're just looking to use the money that you're making either through your business or through your job to be able to invest and just identifying your personality, your strengths and weaknesses, the things that you were really good at and the things that you're really not good at so that you can decide where you fit into this whole picture. So it's a great discussion with Clay. He really has his act together. Very professional, just great communicator. And I'm looking forward to you hearing his story because I think that you're gonna find a lot in it that you can relate to and learn from. I am excited to have Clay Rockwood with us today. Clay is a fixture in the Salt Lake real estate investing community. I have so many friends and colleagues who have taken your business advice and gotten into the scene because of the inspiration that you gave them. And recently you have come into SOAR Capital, where you're specializing in multifamily. And it's really where our paths have intersected now that we're in the same investing space. So thanks for coming on the show, Clay. We're happy to have you.
0: Yeah, thanks, Emma. I'm glad to be here.
1: Can you give us just a little bit of your background and your history, where you got started from this is the life that everybody lives, the map that has been set out when you're just doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing and you realize, hey, I want to do something a little bit different. Just share us what that journey looked like and how you ended up where you are right
0: now. Yeah, great question. I was in college and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. That's really how it started. I was going to go into dentistry or orthodontics and halfway through college, I was like, I just can't do that. It's not for me. And so I had a buddy, actually my, my brother owned a few rental properties at the time. And I really liked that concept of, oh, he's got tenants paying his mortgage. That was really cool. And, and I liked that. So I, right out of college, I got my real estate license. I just was like, hey, I'll just get my license. And I told my wife, we just gotten married. I just like, give me like a year to just try this real estate thing and just see what it's all about. And if I don't like it, no big deal. I can go do something else. So I had nothing to lose. So I started as an agent and first year, I think I did one deal. It was horrible. Horrible year. It was back in 2008 when the market was crashing. So it was a really horrible time. But I saw the light at the end of the tunnel in our, my second year in my wife and I actually ended up buying our first property. It was a triplex. So three units, we ended up living in one of the units and then renting out the other two. And I think we're paying, I don't know, somewhere under 200 bucks a month to live there with the tenants paying the rent. So that's really when it clicked for me, I was like, man, this is what I want to do. I want to just accumulate more rental properties and have tenants pay my mortgage off and build equity so that that whole idea just started snowballing with me and My wife and I at the time had a goal of buying a property a year. Whether that was a duplex or a fourplex or something, I was just thinking, hey, small income producing property every year. And so we did that for several years and then started flipping homes, just started growing, started wholesaling about five or six years ago and then have slowly just transitioned into doing some larger scale deals and we can talk more about that. But yeah, it's just been a progression from starting as an agent, starting out buying our first property and now owning over 400 doors multifamily and mobile home parks.
1: One thing that I find really interesting about your journey is how you went from one thing to the next thing, trying to really find like that, that solidified and you really moved very quickly. I know you started in 2008, probably feels like forever ago, but at the same time, everything that you have done so far, you've been able to build up quickly and become successful in it. Like people know who you are. You speak at a lot of events, you host a lot of events, you give a lot back. How were you able to decide, hey, this is not working for me. I'm going to pivot. But more importantly, this is working for me, but I'm going to pivot anyway.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I think to start out as an agent, I just I didn't love. But again, I got into real estate thinking, hey, I can be my own. That's what I always wanted. I had the entrepreneur mind. I just didn't want to work for someone else. And I never have really outside of college. So I, I thought, Hey, I want to be my own boss. I, I soon realized being an agent, clients are your boss, right? <laughs> you're still going homes at nights and weekends. You're at their beck and call. So I didn't really love that. Wasn't really for me. Uh, and then flipping homes has always been a great thing. In fact, we still flip homes on a small scale, but again, it's a very, it's a business, it's a lot, it takes a lot of work, a lot of know-how, obviously a lot of capital. Right and there's ups and downs. You can lose a lot of money. You can make a lot of money. So flipping was has been good, but it was just never something that again I was super passionate about. Really, I guess that's what I was looking for—something that I was just more passionate about or enjoyed more. That's when I learned about wholesaling. It's like, hey, wait a minute, I can go make a bunch of money without ever putting up any money, and we can all this kind of stuff. I don't know. It just it seemed like there was always a necessity for me like with flipping, we were running out of of inventory. And so I was like, I got to go source my own deals. I got to go find deals on my own instead of relying on other real estate agents or other wholesalers. So that's when I was like, well, I'll just go wholesale myself. I'll wholesale myself a property, right? So I figured out how to market, how to talk to sellers, how to do all that kind of stuff. And then the interesting thing is, to tie this your question up, is uh, all along the way, like I said, we were buying rentals over time. And as the market kept going up, I just kept seeing my equity go up, my equity going up and my mortgage principal going down every month because my tenants were paying it off. So I was really looking at every month I have tenants, they're putting money into a savings account for me. So the more properties I have, the more savings I'm going to have. And so that's when it clicked for me is like, why don't I just focus mainly all my effort on actually just buying more properties as rentals. And so that's where it came for me full circle is like, I've been building this side business with these rentals. And over time, it's, it's accumulated all this net worth, this wealth. Why am I focusing on these other things that aren't generating a lot, they're generating good day-to-day income, ordinary income, but not necessarily passive income. A wholesaling business is not a passive business. I can promise you that we've done a, we, at the peak. We're doing a hundred wholesales a year, single family homes. So that's not a passive business. Same with flipping homes. It's not a passive business. So I just truly wanted to find something that was passive and I could start earning passive income and build my wealth over time.
1: I was in a very similar situation. Your story actually reminds me a lot of what we were doing, but how it looked different for us, my husband had a W-2. So I didn't have to think about the short-term cash flow of how we were gonna make that day-to-day income because that was taken care of. And so what I ended up doing was basically following guys like you around and watch where you're going watch where you're developing because I knew I didn't have to go through the, how am I going to keep the lights on? How am I going to keep groceries on the table when I had this W-2 income going? And so I could just go basically straight for the throat, watching what you're getting burned out at, watching what the transactional nature of what you do and watching your progression go from very active business entrepreneur over into the more passive side and saying, I'm going to skip the active step as much as I can and really focus on the passive stuff. And so just sitting around and watching what people are doing in the transactional side was actually very inspirational to me to say, okay, he's moving over to more passive. He's moving over to more commercial. He's moving over to less transactional and more of a consultant's role or whatever it looked like. And so I was able to give some of those things a little bit of a try, like dabble in those things, but I never really got good at any of them because I was just watching people burn out on them. Left and right, and so I felt we're just going to skip that and go straight for the big stuff. So walk me through that transition that you have made from wholesaling home buyers over into Soar capital.
0: Yeah, the wholesaling business in general, it's a it can be a very lucrative business. There's no no secret there, right? It can be very lucrative. And I think for a lot of people that are just wanting to get into real estate or want to start maybe go off on their own do their own thing, it's I think it's a great first step into that space. But can again, you can do it with very little or no money at all. <clears throat> you don't need to know a ton. You just need to know the basics. So I think it's a great stepping stone, but most, honestly, most wholesalers I know that have been in the business for a few years, they start realizing like, okay, I'm making all this money, but it takes a lot of work, it's a lot of headache, it's a lot of grind and hustle. And again, it's not passive. So what's the next step? How do I earn passive income? Most people in this industry will know that's by buying cash flowing assets. And you can look at single family homes, duplexes. Yeah, that's great. But. Those, by the time you have a mortgage, especially now with rising interest rates, like if you're cash flowing 50, hundred bucks a month, after all your expenses, you're lucky. Yeah, No no one can live on that. You have to times that by a hundred properties to even make a decent living on a passive income. So why not, like you said, skip that and say, why don't I just go buy a hundred unit? Instead of banging my head against the wall, trying to find a hundred single family homes, I can just go buy a hundred unit apartment complex or mobile home park or whatever it may be, and just go straight to the jugular, right? Now, I think that's that transition right there, and we can talk about that. That's the big jump that's really hard for people to mentally grasp or understand that's even possible. I think that's the big barrier is that people don't think it's even possible for them where it really is.
1: I would agree. Sitting in the real estate clubs, you would have somebody every month, and I was in many different clubs, and so I was at a meeting once, twice a week, and everybody would get up and they would talk about what they were doing. I have rentals, I flip, I wholesale, I this and that, and I would be listening to them and i yeah, I don't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Somebody
1: started talking about commercial investing, multifamily. Sometimes we'd have somebody talking about mobile home parks or self storage. And that was when my eyes started to light up because I wasn't looking for a job. I wasn't looking for a business. I was looking for passive income and early retirement. So while it was very difficult sometimes to stay focused because you'd hear, oh, why don't you just go wholesale something and you'll make $30,000 in a wholesale fee? And I had to just keep my vision board right in front of me saying, we're going for passive income and early retirement. That is what we were doing. And yeah. I felt very focused on that goal. And I missed a lot of opportunities of income opportunities because of it, because I was so focused on not letting my business scale out of control. And so what does that look like for you right now? How are you basically taking all of this experience that you've been building up over the past, I don't know, how long has that been? The past 14 years?
0: 15, yeah, States, 14, 15 years. Yeah.
1: Out of just being able to say, okay, here's what we're doing right now. So Tell us what your typical deal, your typical day, what does your business look like right now?
0: Yeah. So now, again, we're pretty much 100% all in on the larger commercial real estate. Like I said, multifamily and mobile home parks are the two assets we buy. So we have a small team. We've got an acquisition guy. We have a COO that kind of helps run the operations. We have an in house project manager. I have a couple business partners, right? So we run a tight ship, but really, what we do is we're targeting larger deals off market again because I think with my history, again, you said I've been doing this for almost 15 years. I've learned a lot about uh, networking, how to how to raise capital, how to market, how to go direct to seller, how to negotiate deals, how to find and underwrite deals. All right, so a lot of this stuff just comes over time, but that's what we got really good at was is identifying off market opportunities that were highly discounted for one reason or another, whether that was a tired landlord or divorce situation, whatever. So we, those are the assets we like to target or heavy value add properties that we can buy for a super big discount, add value through renovations, raising rents, et cetera, and then either stabilizing the asset and keeping it long-term or, or selling at that point. So in essence, we're just flipping larger deals, right? It's taking the same knowledge I learned, I have been doing forever and it's just scaling it into larger deals. And what I think is interesting is, I was thinking as you are talking, Is how, again, I think it starts with the belief. And I like to talk about this a lot because I think that, again, it's the barrier to entry for a lot of people, whether that's a person that wants to be a sponsor or like an operator or someone that just wants to be a passive investor, you have to believe that it's even possible for yourself. So there's that whole side of things, which I I sit in my car a lot of time and I just I'll even tell myself even now days when I'm struggling or I'm like, oh man, this is beyond me. Can I raise the money? Can we actually do this? I just sit there as a mantra. just tell myself, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And you just have to drain that or drill that into your head, that belief. But on top of that, the interesting thing is with when you start scaling into these larger deals is the economies of scale start making sense. And that's why it's so interesting. I talked to a lot of guys who are like, yeah, man, I own a few rental like duplexes and I'm managing the property, I'm doing all the accounting, I'm taking the phone calls, I'm doing the construction. I'm like, that's a lot of work for one person to do. But it, you financially, you couldn't go out and hire a team to really manage a five units. It, it just doesn't make sense. But that's why the scale, when you get to this large scale, Like I said, a lot of people have this barrier of entry. I don't have the expertise to go out and buy a hundred unit apartment complex. That seems impossible. You're not doing it alone. You have a team around you, not necessarily on staff. You've got a property manager you can rely on to manage the tenants and get the phone calls, right? You get a a contractor to work on the property and do the construction. You get a lender that helps you with the lending, right? So you utilize the experience or expertise of other people. And I think that's really the turning point for me has been in my business was letting go of control and thinking and realizing that I was the bottleneck to my own growth because I wanted to do it all. And I wanted to be the expert in all of these things, but that's just not possible or realistic. And when you realize you can utilize the experience of other people and you're really just the puzzle, piece, you're just putting the puzzle pieces together, that's all you're doing. Right. And so that's when it really opened up for me to realize, wait a minute, I can go out and we can go out and do multi-million dollar deals because I don't have to learn all the, that stuff, right? I just have to know who to call, who to utilize, and who to, what resources to, to bring in.
1: I definitely agree. The skill that I bring into most things that I do is learning how to manage a partnership of people, whether they are legal partners or we're in the same old together, or it's vendor partners, investor partners, just being able to put large teams of people together and keep all those ducks swimming in the same direction is very important. And I was very resistant to it at the beginning because we like DIY. We like working on our house. We like learning how to do new things. And we had an inherent distrust of doing anything with a partner because we all hear the partner horror stories. What I started doing was listening for the partner success stories and asking how people were able to make these partnerships work. And if they started to go bad, how were they able to keep them from going bad? good agreements, written agreements, prenuptial agreements, great communication skills. And I really just started focusing on those because like you, it was more about the who and not the how, but the how to keep all the who's together was really something I spent a lot of time learning how to do well, because I recognized that was the key to being able to do these larger deals. And you've hit on that. Well, like your business systems approach is it's a natural pivot for you to go from wholesaling, single family homes, into wholesaling commercial properties and now into owning commercial properties because the way you do your business systems and the way you keep all of your who's together is impressive. And so what would you say are the most important skills that you have in order to be able to run the business and build your passive income the way that you have been?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I think honestly it's knowing how to work on the business and not in the business. And I know that's a phrase that gets thrown out there a lot. This is like- but- <laughs> but what that means to me is, again, I even get caught up in it too, like the day-to-day menial tasks that need to get done that day. You get sucked into this world of just looking at what's in front of you right then, but you have to take a step back. And I, I, that's the beauty of having a team or other people or even a business partner. I mean, you don't need a full team, but like someone else to even bounce ideas off of and say, hold on, let's take a step back. How can I take this off my plate so I'm not worried about this? And for me, a lot of that just comes down to the stress if there's something that's stressing me out, like raising capital, let's use that for example. That's a big thing, right? That people are always talking about. How do I go raise money for these big deals? That's stressful. It's a lot of stress, especially when you have non-refundable earnest money on the line or you've got deadlines coming up. And you're like, man, we got to raise this money or we're losing money, right? Or we'll lose the deal. Well, that's stressing me out. Who can I hire or partner with or whatever call that could do this better than I can and relieve that stress off my plate? Sure, I'm going to give up some equity or, again, it comes down to trying to not own 100% of of nothing, but I'd own 50% of a lot of things or 10%. So it's just, it's that who, not how concept it's, and I think that's what we've gotten really good at it is, is finding people, whether that's interns or paid part-time people or just friends and family that we can utilize at first until we scale our systems up and then take a lot of that stress off our plate to let us look at the business as a whole and say, what is our big picture goal here? What are we trying to accomplish? And what little systems and processes can we put in place over time to to make this more efficient, to make this run, to make us grow? Now, again, I think that's again another daunting thing. People are like, I don't know how to build systems or software or processes. Well, neither do I, but you just figure it out day by day, right? You just have a today. I am going to figure out. I am going to call ten investors. Once I've done that, I am going to figure out how to put them in a CRM. What's a CRM? I don't know. I'll Google it. Like it's just. I think we can get so inundated with it all of the stuff that has to happen, but when you take it back, and we have this as one of our mission statements in our company is, it's just fanatic discipline. What do I have to do today that's going to help me progress in the direction I want to head? And if I can focus on that, all the other big things that I have to worry about are all the stresses melt away. It's, I know that today I have to go run comps on this property, or I have to make three offers today. That's all I have to do. I don't have to figure out how to be a good business owner, all this other stuff. So anyway, th- there's a lot there to unpack. But for us, it's just the daily discipline, slowly growing and being patient with the learning process and not having all the answers, but just taking one step forward, regardless of what you know or don't know.
1: Yeah, let's un- let's unpack that. Honestly, I said a lot there. I want to come back to the belief that you can actually do something because when things get hard, that is the string that you are clinging to, <laughs> to keep you going day to day. But I think another thing that you hit on that was excellent is that you have an ability to balance the big picture, the direction that you're going while still juggling all of the details. And you may not be the one doing the details. You can delegate a lot of that, but at the same time, you still have to be aware of what's going on and making sure that Mm -hmm. things aren't falling through the cracks. Because when you're taking care of your property and you're taking care of your investors' capital, you do really need to be able to balance those two things. So tell me more about what that looks like how you're able to keep your head in the clouds and that big picture visionary and being able to think about things long term down the road and take care of the details without getting bogged down by the
0: details yeah yeah that's a good question and again sometimes you just do get bogged down but i mean i would say for us and for me again i I just recently read the book good to great which is an awesome book and he talks about this in the book a lot and i respect it but It's finding A players to surround yourself with. Now that could be employees, that could be mentors, friends, whatever it is. But I have found that to be so true. A lot of times we're in a pinch. We're like, hey, we just need help with this. So I'm just going to get the first person I can find to just help me out. But that always ends up bad. So now I'm very intentional about who we bring into our organization or who I surround myself with to make sure that they're A, aligned with our goals and vision, morals and ethics, right? And that they... Are better than me at doing what that what needs to be done. That's like huge. Like I, again, I for so long I was a one man show. I was the one calling sellers. I was the one negotiating deals. I was the one blah blah blah. After I learned that, oh my gosh, I was listening to these other people on the phone or watching them interact with a seller. I'm like, this guy is ten times better than me. I'm just gonna I'm gonna offer to pay him a commission. Hey, you'll come close deals for me. I'll pay you. But yeah, I think it's it's just a balance. There's no secret here that. Even running this type of business that we run, investing in larger deals and owning an operating it still takes work. It's not like I'm 100% removed from my business, right? I'm still here day to day running it as a CEO, making sure things are happening. So that's why I think people just have to decide, what do I want to do? Do I want to be an operator? Do I want to be the one sourcing the deals, managing the properties, all that stuff? Because that is still work, right? And But you can get compensated very well, or you could do what you do, Emma, right? Hey, I'm just going to take one slice of this and do that. I'm going to go raise capital. Or you could be, I'm going to be an asset manager. That's all I want to do or whatever, right? So there, there's so many different pieces, even within the commercial realm of, of these deals that you can do. You don't, ha- again, have to do it all. You can choose one slice of that pie that you like and add value to other groups with that skill set.
1: What is that thing that you do? You know how people say you should be willing to do what other people are not willing to do? And I'm going to take that a step farther. I always say I want to be willing and enjoy doing the thing that other people are unwilling to do. What is that thing that you find to be difficult for a lot of people, but you think, oh, just not that hard. I don't understand why everybody makes it so hard. What is your thing that you maybe not enjoy, but you're good at, and you don't understand why it's so hard for so many other people?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I think... I've realized my strength is relationships. I'm good at talking to people. I'm good at when I go to lunches or whatever. It's easy for me. It's not work. It's not hard. And by the way, I am an introvert by nature, which is interesting. But I find that I'm really good at talking to people. I'm good at telling a story and getting them to trust and know me. Now, not in a fraudulent way, right? Not like I'm not deceiving anyone, but I think I'm very good at that. Like when we're raising money trying to bring investors in on a deal and I'll get on a Zoom call or go to lunch and they're just like, man, you're just, just, I just, you honest. You seem like you know what you're doing. To be honest, that is 90% of this business is just having trust. And I've worked with other people that get off a call from them. I'm like, the guy was not genuine. He just, I could feel it. There's just something there that wasn't real. I don't know. For me, that's my superpower is networking, bringing in investors just through my personality and building that trust with them and obviously showing our track record and and really looking at our business from from a long perspective. Again, I tell a lot of people, it's funny, like when I'm talking to a potential investor, a lot of times I'm like, hey, you know what? It sounds like this, our deal may not be the right fit for you. I'm not going to sit there and try to push it down their throat. If this isn't a fit for you, it's not a fit. And nine times out of 10, they come back and say, hey, I want to invest with you. So- You just have to be genuine and realize this is a long-term thing. Like you invest today, I'm going to be married to you for the next five years. I'm not going to deceive you. I'm not going to do something shady because this is my livelihood. I've got a family and kids, like I've got a reputation I'm trying to maintain here. So yeah, that would be my superpower. The things I'm not good at again, on the flip side would be underwriting deals, looking at spreadsheets all day. I realize that just gives me anxiety. I shut down so. I offload that to my business partner who's amazing at that. So finding people like that that, that can buoy up your weaknesses and that you can add strengths to their weaknesses, I think that's a great partnership and business model that we try to utilize.
1: That was one thing that I wasn't expecting to come out of our investing club. It was more just an opportunity to give people a chance to pool our money and go invest in stuff and use that pool (laughs) to negotiate for better terms, negotiate for a piece of the management, be able to get some hands-on experience. But what I noticed over time, was that working with the club members week after week and doing several deals together, all of a sudden potential business partners started to emerge out of these relationships. And I thought, if I want to go start something else, like a private equity fund, which is what we're doing. And I knew exactly who I was going to ask because you had the opportunity to work together to find what my weaknesses were and really hone in on what I didn't like. It sounds really negative. But really honing in on, I don't like this, I don't this, I don't like this. And my husband asked me once, he said, what do you like? And I said, I know what I like. What I'm trying to figure out right now is what I don't like. Because I'm a DIY person, jack of all trades. I enjoy learning. I enjoy doing lots of things. But I really had to decide what my top things that I loved doing. To figure out all the other stuff that I could do, wanted to do, was interested in doing, that I didn't like. And that really helped me find the people... Around me that were good at what I wasn't good at, or what I didn't like, or never really wanted to become mm-hmm. good at. And so, just getting down in there and being able to work with people and see how people really are has been one huge mm-hmm. benefit of just networking and the club structure that we've created. Because now I, I feel very confident it, with the business partners that we're doing this venture with because we've been working together in a more informal way for over over a year and a half. And so, it sounds like similar where you someone comes in and you. Maybe hire them to do something for you or teach you how to do something. You're like, can I just hire you to do this because you're better at this?
0: Exactly. <laughs> totally.
1: but I don't think it's also about being an introvert or an extrovert. you hit on some really important points there. It's not about your innate personality style, like extroverts are better at business or sales or whatever that mm-hmm. introverts are. I actually think it's often the opposite, but what seems to bind those together and what you're doing almost naturally is dialing into the other person figuring out, is this other person an introvert or an extrovert? Is this other person analytical or are they more relationship driven? And really tapping into that piece of yourself and bringing that part of yourself to the conversation and being able to just identify what's important to this person. What does this person value? And being able to speak a customized message to each person. It doesn't matter introverted or extroverted it just matters you know people do you care about people can you identify what kind of person you're dealing with and what is important to that particular person that what you hit on there was actually really gold because that's key to successful
0: networking right there oh totally in fact i was just on a call before this with i'm part of a a mastermind group and one of the gentlemen on there who's runs multiple funds he's raised probably billions of dollars and he and we were talking about all right, what kind of deals are your investors looking for? What kind of IRRs and equity multiples and what are the returns? And he's honestly, none of that matters. <laughs> and that was kind of I was taken aback a little bit. He's what matters is that you can build trust, and that was so true. And I just resonated with me. I'm like, that's what this business is about. It's about trust because you're taking people's a lot of times their life savings or. The money they've worked years and decades to accumulate. And when we're talking about raising capital or syndicating, you really have to look at it like that. And wow, these I just need to build this trust and make sure I take care of our investors and that they know and trust me. For a lot of them, it's more important than the deal or the returns or it's, no, I need to know that I can trust you with my money and that you're going to take care of me.
1: That trust is really built through a demonstration of competence. I know some of the most difficult partner relationships that I've had. Were people that I felt were great people, ethical, trustworthy—all of that stuff was great. But then when we got into the deal and they got in over their heads or to pushing the edge of their competency, that's when the dishonesty started to creep yeah. in. I didn't do this. Here's why. Lots of excuses. But sometimes progressing to the point of outright lie. Outright lies, like, "Hey, here's what I did." And then you go back and double check and it turns out that it wasn't done or wasn't done correctly. And they get embarrassed because of their incompetence. And I always talk about pushing the envelope, pushing the edge of what you're good at doing and really get into that discomfort space. But if you go into it too far, it goes over into incompetence and that starts to breed dishonesty, hiding that lack of competence. And so giving that trust through demonstrating competence, I thought we were talking about earlier, where you have business systems, you have figured out the people part of it how to get people in place so that you've got this stuff running so how do you make sure that you're always pushing your envelope pushing your edges without actually crossing over into (laughs) the land of
0: unethical yeah Mm -hmm. again i think it's just honesty and that's a cliche answer but for example we have with a shift in the market we have several deals here in in utah smaller deals 10 20 30 type units that we've owned for several years or some are under construction and we have one or two main investors on these deals because they're smaller and they just haven't been going as well as we thought they would or construction because of a bad contractor, just things that are out of our control, to be honest. But instead of just painting a rosy picture of, oh, everything's fine. Like we sat down with our investor and we just were real with him. Here's the numbers. It's taken X amount of months longer because of X, Y, and Z. We'll take the blame for this. And if we need to restructure the partnership, give you more equity in this deal so that I don't, again, I approach it to the investor, hey. I want to make sure you are taken care of. I will take the loss or I will cut back on my ownership or whatever to make sure you're protected and that you don't have to sacrifice. And surprisingly going into that, we weren't sure what would happen, but every time the investors are like, no, man, we're going to keep it the same. Thank you for telling me this. If you need more funds, here you go. We'll just make it right. It's I realize things happen out of your control, right? So like I've found 10 times out of 10, if you're just honest if the good, the bad, and the ugly, if you can just share that, it's so important. And for me, it's just the communication. Most investors I talk to that have invested with other groups, other syndications, that's usually their main complaint. It's like, hey, I invested in this group. I haven't heard from them for three or four months. I don't even know what's going on. I've invested in other people's deals too, right? So I've had that same experience. I've invested in, in not just in real estate, but other venture capital stuff. And <clears throat> it's the most frustrating thing. What's happening? Why aren't you communicating with me? So I feel like with just a little bit of know-how and knowledge like you can actually do this very successfully just by being honest, open communication and you'll be surprised at how many people are attracted to that and are just really crave that in a business owner, right?
1: Oh, exactly. And if we're going to we're going to take this a step further to analogy, I always tell people that I work with in the construction industry if you show up on time you clean up every single day after your job site, after your job is over, the job site is clean up every single day. You give me professional estimates with some branded letterhead. You give me professional invoices. You're not just saying, oh, this and adding it up on a calculator out of your back pocket. You will beat nine out of 10 other people in your same field and you will have more business than you know what to do with. Communication, yeah. professional communication, And just doing what you say you're going to do, showing up on time and keeping the job site clean, like even if they had problems at that point, I would understand the problems are sometimes inevitable. We all know to expect that. But when somebody isn't showing up on time, the job site's always messy, their paperwork's a mess. You wonder, are we actually having this problem because we're having a problem or are we having this problem because you are disorganized and you are not on top of what's going on? And so just cleanliness, timeliness, communication means that they can trust you when something's not going right that you are doing everything humanly possible to take care of that issue. And that's really the sense that I get when I'm working with your team back when I was looking at wholesales when we first moved to Utah or now working with your team as you are transitioning successfully into the multi-family space. You yeah. just carry that around with you like a jacket. Like you. It's extremely professional and well communicated. And it's obvious. Like, I'll go to one of your meetups and there are 100 people there. And I'm like, I can't give five people to my meetup. What is going on here? Like, people respond to that. And you yeah. definitely have a good, a great way of delivering that.
0: Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you.
1: It's <laughs> the difference between a successful business and an attempt that doesn't actually end up working out. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Yeah. 15 years later, it's working for you. Let's turn the corner here to a little bit more about your future plans, because I know you are an entrepreneur. You are a visionary. You're always thinking about what comes next, both personally and professionally. Can you share with us like what the next maybe five years of your journey looks like? like what is your passive income dream and the passive income adventure that you are really excited to go on?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So I think my big, hairy, audacious goal and it's funny, I've come up with this based on some mentors that I've worked with that are well beyond me. So one of my good mentors and friends is, they own about 40,000 doors, multifamily doors across the nation. These are top 20 in the nation as far as owners of multifamily. So they're a huge group, I'm lucky to be associated with them. But I was picking his brain, asking him the same thing, like what, like what would you recommend? What's your goal here? And he's honestly, I wish we would've stopped at 5,000 doors. Yeah. I'm like, really? You have no idea how crazy it gets This when you're this big. Our in-house property management company has over a thousand employees by itself. So you can imagine the lawsuits, the headaches, the HR, you know, like the bigger you get, yeah, more money, more problems, right? It's like, it just adds a layer of complexion. I would have stopped at 5,000 doors. That would have provided the best life possible, more income than I could ever want or need. These are guys that are flying private jets and things, right? So I took that to heart and said, okay, that's I want that's my goal. I want to get to five thousand dollars in the next five years. Now that's a big goal. It's very audacious. Whether I'll get there or not, I don't know. But if I fall short, I'm happy with that. But so that's my goal for the next five years and really to create that passive income. So for me personally, if we're talking about dollar figures, I've always had in my mind I want passive income. Again, for me, passive, not being a business owner or operator. I want my own passive income. So we co-invest in all of our deals. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I invest in other people's deals. I'm an investor myself. I'm not just, I'm not just sourcing these deals and raising money from other people. I'm co-investing because I want that passive income too, in our property. So I have this goal of, oh, 50,000 a month It's like, hey, if I can have 50 K a month passive, I'd be, I'd love that. So that's our goal is to every year just keep scaling, growing. I think this year we have a goal of 700 doors to buy this year on top of what we already own. So that's where we're at now and raise about $32 million of equity is what we're trying to raise this year. So yeah, that's where we stand.
1: Being able to be around people who have been there and done that more than you have and can look back and share that wisdom with you. Let's take a mortgage lender, for example. Have you ever been around maybe a title officer or something, and they're sitting across the closing table from you buying property after property or huge commercial property, and they're sitting there like, I know this guy. Like, Clay and I, we (laughs) hang out. like We do business together. We see each other at the real estate club. Why am I always on the other side of this table? Why am I not the one out there buying these properties? And I know so many people who are doing it. And you say, well, come out to our real estate club. Come out to our free meetup. Come out to our paid mentorship, whatever it is. And suddenly they're surrounding themselves with people who are doing it. And now they're in the game and they're doing it. And what you just said there, that you have people who have been able to guide you and help you and you're watching them do it and telling you how to do that. And then you're able to make realistic goals that are a good fit for you, your lifestyle, your needs and wants, your family, your personality type, because you have surrounded yourself with people who are doing it and just copy what they're doing. It's not hard to copy when somebody's laying out the map right there in front of you. And so that's what we're trying to provide with the community is just saying, hey, you passive income lifestyle, passive income adventures, it's a real thing. It's not a scam. It's not something that you just buy into this online course and suddenly you're on the beach in Mexico while everybody else does your online business for you. It's hard. It takes effort. It takes a lot of networking. But at the same time, believing that it's a real thing. And you're able to say, I want $50,000 a month for most people that jaws are maybe dropping. Well, not only I would be happy with that income active, but to have it be passive, <laughs> yeah. that's an amazing goal, but it's a real goal. And you set it with a straight face and you are dead serious. So we want to learn how to do this kind of stuff. We go find people who are doing it, actually pulling it off in an yeah. ethical, honest, hard work, not get rich quick kind of scammy way and yeah. just go do what they're doing. So that, that. That may be the most important thing that you you said, right? (laughs) Because otherwise it's just, it's an information overload and just trying to figure out how to make sense of it.
0: Yeah. One thing I guess I didn't touch on you, you asked what are passive income adventures? I like that you have that as part of the title. Adventures, because what is life? That's what we're here to do. It's experience life to the fullest. It's not to come into an office and make a million dollars a year. I'm sorry. That's, I can promise you that won't bring you happiness. In fact, I was on a, a run the other day with, couple friends of mine who are very successful as well. And we were talking about that. It's interesting. The more income we've made, it doesn't correlate to the happiness we feel. It never does, but you always think it will when you're young and hungry. And you look at these other people that are whatever, multimillionaires, like, then I'll be happy. Then I'll do this. But once that hits, you're just like, you know what? That didn't change anything. You can get into this weird lost space of what is important then? What do I want? If that didn't work for me, what is it? And it's the impact for me, that's its impact on charitable organizations, things like that. It's being able to spend quality time with my family and doing fun adventures. Like we went to Kenya last year on a big trip with all of our five kids and just things like that, that just are meaningful memories that, that I think everyone is entitled to experience and have this life filled with joy. So to me, that is the goal. It's not just to have X amount of doors and X amount of passive income so that I can tell everyone, Hey, I got X amount of doors and I got this much income. That doesn't matter matters is what kind of impact are you leaving? What kind of life are you living? And is it filled with joy? So that's, for me, that's what it's all about.
1: I have a goal right now, the journey that we've just started on in early retirement. And when I say it, it sounds small and it sounds petty, but I always say I'm working on having only problems that money can fix. (laughs) I don't want any problems that money cannot fix. And by that, I exactly what you were just talking about, I want to have great family relationships. You cannot fix bad relationships with more money, no matter matter how much expensive therapy you get. You cannot fix poor health. Now, it's an unreasonable goal, right? Because there will always be problems that you have that you didn't bring on yourself. It just happened. Close to you was killed in a terrible accident or something. There there are these things that happen, right? But the goal, the, the stretch, is to only have problems that money can fix because it's like, hey, you're out on an adventure. You're in Kenya. Your bags get stolen. You don't know what you're going to do. You don't have any money, but you know that you have some sort of resources and you could go buy a hotel and it's going to be way too expensive for your family's taken care of. That's the kind of problems you want that money can. Be. And so I always just say all of that stuff that you're talking about, what life is made of and all of that, you can't throw money at that and make that mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. So if you could take care of that on your own with your own personal development, your own time, building your relationships, building your communication skills. There's no amount of money that can bring you that. And once I get to that point where I feel like, hey, every problem we have could just be fixed by throwing a little money at it, that's how I know I've arrived at that place (laughs) that you're describing. Yeah,
0: that's great. That's a good goal. I like that.
1: Clay, how can people get a hold of you? I know that a lot of people who are listening to this show understand that the power of this industry and the power of this adventure that we're going on is through networking. So we really want to be in your network. We want you to be in our network. want you to reach out after the show. Clay, how can people get a hold of you? and more importantly why should people get a hold of you
0: great yeah good question so first i'm all over social media i put a lot of content out so if they want to just follow me at clay rockwood on on instagram facebook that's the easy way they go to our website soarcapitalgroup.com/clay you can find out about me my background history a little more in depth bio there and also sign up for our investor club we also have an investor club where we give first access to these investors that are in our club. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. To Just opt in to, to get information from us. But first access to our deals, That's I would say that's probably the easiest way, soarcapitalgroup.com slash clay. But then on, on top of that, why should people reach out? I'm not going to lie. I'm not the only person in the world that's raising money for real estate deals, right? <laughs> There's probably 20 other people they know or could reach out to. So what's different about us? I think we really pride ourselves on. We're trying to allocate and find assets that outperform the standard model, right? You can go to a big, a Blackstone or some of this big hedge fund that's raising money and you'll get a six, seven, eight percent return on your money. That's fine. That's great for a lot of people. We try to f- identify assets where we can get a, a minimum 20% annualized return for our investors. And that's what we're saying is like, hey, we only look for the best. We want to find the best. So yeah, that that's what we pride ourselves on and how we're a little bit different maybe than some larger groups that they can just raise money, institutional money and the money that doesn't really care how what return it gets as yeah. long as it beats the stock market by a point or two. So, yeah, that that's why I'd say that the people that want truly passive income, that want to invest, get tax benefits, all that goes along with investing in real estate and want to get a, probably a better return than they would in the stock market or in some other syndication deals. Those are the people we'd love to work with and people that we can be partners with for years to come.
1: I can say for ourselves, for our equity fund and for our club, we are really looking forward to investing with you in some of your deals because your integrity and your just commitment to getting it done correctly, to getting it done right, and getting it done in a way that honors your relationships that you've built with people is that's the kind of people that we want to work with.
0: Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. I've looked forward to many years of business together. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing this.
1: (laughs) So please reach out after the show. We would love to talk to you and just to pick Clay's brain. Ask him any problems that you're having with your investing or your multifamily investing journey, your passive income adventures. We are both of us just love to talk to people and just love to help people. So please don't be shy about reaching out after the show. Yeah,
0: I'm an open book. Honestly, people reach out to me. I mentor a lot of people help. I don't there's no charge or anything like that. So, yeah, if anyone wants help, I'm an open book. I love to share and teach and educate. So, yeah, please reach out.
1: Definitely. Clay, the kind of person that we all want to have in our network. It's always who to call, who to call. This is how you learn who to call. So thank you so much for being with us on the show. We really appreciate you just opening up, sharing your story and just giving us a real look at what it looks like to be on this passive income journey because it looks different for everybody, but we just definitely start to see the same kind of ideas coming up over and over again. Honesty, hard work, dedication, integrity, Mm -hmm. and you definitely display those.
0: Thank you, Emma. It It was a pleasure.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. This type of interview is why I love doing this podcast, being able to meet people who are actually out there getting stuff done, doing what they say they're going to do. So many people are taking action and inspiring others. And I get a chance to just sit here for a few minutes and pick their brain and ask all the questions that I would love to. Clay is a great example of how he sought out people to help him to copy, to figure out what they're doing and what he can do to carve his own journey by following other people who've already broken that trail for him. That's what we're doing on the show is just putting you in contact with as many people and as many stories as we possibly can so that you can reach out and figure out what your trail is and the best way for you to get there. So be sure to reach out to Clay after the show and also to me on my website at highrise.group. We've got some investments there you can check out. Easy way to just throw some money at an opportunity and start collecting mailbox money. If you'd like to be more actively involved, we have our club meeting that meets every Monday night where we just look at deals and we pool money in a way to go in and negotiate as a group for better terms or a better situation, better access, or you can sign up for a couple of sessions of my accountability challenge. If you are struggling to get the things done that you want to get done, setting goals and working with somebody who actually cares if you're getting those goals done or not, and is not going to, and is going to actually hold you accountable to accomplishing the goals that you set for yourself. The accountability challenge is a good fit for you. Thank you so much for joining us. And I can't wait to see you again when we go on our next passive income adventure.